Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series, Practicing the Presence of God. And over the course of the last year, we've been looking at what it means for us to be sacred, how, how a relationship with God and understanding his presence with us changes not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. And in the ways that we listen to people, these practices make a difference in the lives of us and those around us. And we've, we've looked at what it means to listen, what it means to care, what it means to teach, to give. And all of these practices reveal that sacred presence within us to the world. And today we're going to be looking at the practice of growth. Uh, and, and it's the maturing process that hopefully all of us go through as Christians uh, but if you have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, reading from verses 23 to the end of the chapter there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start at verse 23 there. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Growth. I, I, I like this idea that growth is a journey that we, we start when we're born and that we finish when we're only face-to-face -face with Jesus, that we continually and gradually grow over the course of our lives. But I think, and really, growth is more like riding your bicycle up a hill, right? It takes a little bit of effort. It takes a decent amount of efforts at times. But along the journey, we can stop. We can get off the bike. We can choose to go forwards. We can roll backwards, too. Because we don't always grow forwards. At times we stop along the path of growth and we walk back on the things that God has grown in us. It reminds me of the saying that only dead fish swim with the stream, which is kind of a funny saying, right? Because dead fish don't swim. Um, but, but it's just like riding a bicycle up the stream, or up a hill, sorry. If you, if you keep pedaling, you're not going to get up the stream very far. Um, but if you do keep pedaling, you will eventually get to the top of the hill. But the trick is that if you stop, you stay where you are, you don't stay where you are. You roll backwards. We have to continue to pursue growth in our lives and maturity in our faith. So how do we do that? How do we mature in our faith? How do we stay on the path of growth in our walk with Jesus instead of getting off it at times? What does it even look like to remain in him instead of letting our faith become stagnant? Well, first, I want to point out that this life in our faith with God and our journey with him is a lifelong one. Uh, Mark, in Mark chapter 4, verse 28, Jesus gives this really small and short parable about this man planting seeds, and, and he describes growth like this in the story, that all by itself, the soil produced grain. First the stalk, and then the head, then the full kernel in the head, and as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Right? Jesus is talking about our spiritual growth, what it means to grow in him. 
And when we first hear the good news that Jesus came to pay the price for our sins, for our brokenness, our mistakes, so that we could be one with him, that we could have relationship with him, that is when the seed is planted. And over the course of our lives, hopefully that seed grows and develops. But it starts small, right? A little shoot growing out of the ground, and eventually the stalk grows, then the head, then the kernel full of grain. And as we study the word, as we apply it to our lives, as we meet with Jesus in prayer, and as we gather with the body of believers, as we're doing this morning, the little plant slowly grows until it's ready to become harvested. And last week, we saw a harvest of our own uh, with the passing of Alverhaeg. I, I remember a couple months ago, I ran into Al at the shopping center at Walmart, and um, as soon as I saw him, we made eye contact, and we went up to each other, and we just chatted for a short little bit. And I remember being surprised at how hopeful and how joyful Al was in that moment, because he had just come from a doctor's um, appointment, and he didn't find out very good news Uh, He seemed to be in quite a bit of pain, but the entire conversation, I remember he had this smile on his face. He he seemed to be radiating this joy in his own life, right? He He was clearly suffering. He was sitting there in the wheelchair telling me about the pains that he was facing, and yet at the same time, he had this joy and peace about him that affected me, that made a difference, and What really showed me that difference was as soon as we said goodbye, I remember I turned around and I saw another friend of mine. Um, And it was a completely different conversation. It was was with a person, this friend isn't a believer, and so in the course of our talk, we were just sharing a little bit of stories. And what I noticed was that even though their life was going very well, and even very, very well in comparison with Al, I I remember I was surprised at how pessimistic and discouraging the conversation was. They were complaining the entire time, talking about what was wrong in their lives, even though, again, there was a lot going well. Al didn't complain about his pain in that conversation, but was overflowing with joy, whereas the other person chose to be bitter and angry, even though life was mostly going well. The gospel changes everything. It changes who we are in this life. And if we continue to grow in our faith, it makes all the difference in the world. Right? Al was faithful to continue growing in his faith to the point where God used something as simple as a conversation in a grocery store to be encouraging. But it didn't happen on accident. Right? God was continuing to grow Al's faith to the place where Jesus could do that work through him. And the same goes for us. If we want to be people who can bring this sacred presence to others, who can reveal who God is to the world through our lives, then we need to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be filled with God's joy and peace and love if we are to remain on the path of growth. So how do we actually keep growing? Well, by being obedient, and I'm going to use this word very specifically, but I'll explain it what I mean by that, is we have to be obedient to the spiritual rules that God has given us, the spiritual boundaries and rules that God has set in place. So when God created the world, at the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, we read that he he made the stars in the sky, he made the fish in the sea, he made everything. And as he was creating the world, he made it with certain physical laws and boundaries, right? So the, the law of gravity, for instance, is a physical one. And if you follow the physical laws of this world, you will be kept physically safe. 
So if you were to ignore the rule of gravity, if you were to jump off of a bridge, you would be physically hurt, right? And in the same way that God created for us spiritual rules and spiritual boundaries for us to live by in order to stay spiritually safe, in order to be spiritually healthy, right? And the first rule that God gave, the first spiritual rule that he told Adam and Eve was not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so when, when they disobeyed, when we disobeyed, right, their spiritual life was prone to decay, was prone to death. There was a separation between them and God because of their sin, and their spiritual lives were no longer healthy. And so when we go our own way, and we choose to do life that way, we, we suffer spiritually. We spiritually starve. And so today, there's, there's three spiritual rules that I want to look at that God put in place for us to remain on the path of growth, for us to continue growing in this life. And the first one is that we must know God's word. Just as our physical bodies need health, uh, to be healthy, they need food, they need nourishment, in the same way our spiritual lives need to know God's word in order for us to be healthy, in order for us to be nourished by God's word. In Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verse 13 and 14, it says this, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use and training themselves to distinguish good from evil. Right? In order for the transformation and growth that God wants to work in us, in order for us to become the new creation that we are in Christ, we must mature and grow up in our faith. The author of Hebrews is saying that we are immature, we are still infants if we are not acquainted with the word of righteousness, if we do not know God's word. And on the other hand, do you see what it says about the mature person? Right? They only get there by constant use and training. Or if I could put it another way, you get there by making a habit out of knowing God's word. To train yourself to do something constantly means to make it a habit. So what habits do you have in your life of knowing God's word, of being better acquainted with the words of righteousness? Right? Do, you, do you set aside time every day to study the word, to listen to scripture, to memorize it, to meditate on it? Right? Do you get into habits of making God's word known in your life? And, and there's a reason that our habit of studying God's word, of knowing what the Bible says more and more, is so often related to food, right? He says, man does not live on bread alone. Uh, solid food is not for the mature. Or sorry, so solid food is for the mature, right? It's because our dependence on the word is supposed to be the same as our physical dependence on food. Our spiritual need for the gospel is the same as our physical need for food. He wants that to be very clear. And in the same way is if we don't eat, if we never look at the word, we're never going to be spiritually satisfied. We're always going to be spiritually malnourished. Right? It, it's kind of like if you, if you only ever ate one meal a week, if let's say on Sundays you had one meal, you just ate everything you possibly could, and for the rest of the week you didn't eat anything, that wouldn't be a very healthy lifestyle, right? You would starve. You would be malnourished. You wouldn't make it through the week. Uh, in the end, you would have a very poor physical body and health. 
In the same way, if we just gorge ourselves one day looking at the word, you know, coming to church expecting you know, the time that we have here in service this morning to be enough, that can't be it. We're going to be spiritually malnourished. Right? It's the same that if, if you're only kind 25% of the time, you're not a kind person. If, if you're honest 25% of the time, you're not an honest person. You are kind when you habitually show kindness. You are honest when you habitually tell the truth. And so we need to make it a habit of knowing God's word, of understanding it. So what habits do you have in place? What ones do you want to establish? And I also want to make it clear that it's not about making a rigid schedule of reading God's word. You don't need to read exactly 10 chapters every single day, right? Some days, memorize a verse. Other days, read a whole book or 10 chapters Make it a habit of knowing God's word. Whatever that schedule looks like for you, that habit will make a difference in your life. But that's not the only habit that helps us grow. There's three. First one, we have to be better acquainted with God's word. We have to know the words of righteousness. And the second habit is meeting together. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, we are encouraged to not neglect meeting together, but to encourage one another. And one of the reasons that we gather here each Sunday as a body of believers, as the family, is to hear the word preached, is to be encouraged as we sing songs together, as we share our lives with one another, as we have these interactions, and as we see the beauty of the body come together. And part of that is being challenged outside of our own perspective, to see outside of our own thoughts and our own wisdom at times. We're encouraged by the faithfulness of one another to actually pursue truth and justice. Proverbs 18.1, I like it what it says in the English Standard Version. It says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Right? When we fail to meet together with other believers, we break out against all sound judgment, as Proverbs 18.1 says. Right? And we can believe all sorts of lies and deceptions when we do that. I'm sure, I'm sure some of you have met a, a believer who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, but they don't attend a regular gathering or meet somewhere with a local body. And usually, or most often, it doesn't take you very long in a conversation with them to realize that they have some pretty outlandish beliefs, right? To, to hear that they have some things that they understand to be truth that's far off from actual truth. And the reason is because they're missing the discernment of the body. They're missing the willingness to submit to truth. They lose all sound judgment because they've stopped meeting with believers. So what habits do you have of meeting with believers? And I realize it's kind of ironic talking to the people who are here on Sunday morning to meet together. Yes, we're doing that. It is fantastic. But that also means growing together through meeting. And at times... That can only happen when we meet in smaller groups as well. Not to just meet together on Sunday morning as a church body, which is part of this growth, but to meet with believers in smaller settings where, as James 5.16 says, that we can confess our sins to one another so that we can pray for each other and find healing. Right? One of the ways that we find physical, spiritual, mental, emotional healing in this life is by confessing our sins to one another. It's by sharing our vulnerabilities with one another. And that can happen to some degree here on a Sunday, but it can't happen to the full degree that we would like 
right? It would take forever if all of us came up here and confessed our sins. And don't worry, we're not going to do that. But we can't have that in this type of setting to a certain degree, which is why we need to make a habit out of meeting in smaller groups with other believers. To meet in more intimate settings where we can listen to each other, where we can ask questions a little more, where we can talk and share our stories and be encouraged through the more intimate details of each other's lives of what God is doing. Have you made it a habit to meet with others? A habit and not a practice, right? Some of you are suffering just like my snake plant at home because it's only a practice and not a habit. Um, I have this snake plant at home and it sits in the corner of our house. Actually, it's near, right at the entrance, but it's kind of far off from the other plants in my house. And because of that, sometimes I forget to water it. Uh, but what I've noticed is that every time I forget to water it, I go back and I douse it. I absolutely flood the plant because I think that it's going to help it grow more. I missed out on all the nourishment and water and giving it what it needed. And so I flood it and I keep doing this and I keep forgetting about it and I keep allowing it to dry out and then flooding it. And after doing this cycle for so many times, do you know what's happened to my snake plant? The bottom layer of dirt is just covered in mold, right? Because after a while, the water just sits there, right? It doesn't have anywhere to go and I've given it too much. I haven't given it at the points it needs and some of our spiritual lives can look like that as well. Some of the mold in your lives is taking away from your spiritual growth, right? You might be bitter or angry. You might be lonely or afraid and worried. And the reason is because you've stopped meeting with other believers. You've stopped making a habit of being vulnerable with others. Don't break out against all sound judgment. Don't try to do this life on your own. We weren't meant to. We were meant to rely on him and rely on one another to bear each other's burdens. So put efforts into the habit of meeting with other believers, both in this large group that we're doing here, and we can be encouraged in that, and in the smaller spaces where we need to. That's the second habit, meeting together. We need to be continually building this habit of meeting with one another. And the third habit, the last one we're going to look at is in, in our continuing to grow in our faith is to build the habit of prayer. And some of you are like, oh, we've heard this somewhere this morning. It's pretty simple, but at the same time, it, habits take a lot of effort to build. In, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Is there any part of your life where you feel weary or burdened? That should pretty much be every one of us here. Right? There are always parts of our lives that feel heavy and burdened, and in that process, we are encouraged to bring that to Jesus, to give up our yokes and our burdens to him and to take his on as our own. The spiritual remedy is to bring it to God in prayer. And the book of Hebrews, we're encouraged to be confident when we do that. Right? Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Are you in need? You can reach out to him from wherever you are. That's the beauty of prayer. I, I like the one story in, in the book of Psalms, actually. All of the book of Psalms is a great collection of stories where people have cried out to God in the places that they find themselves. And we, alongside them, can take encouragement from reading those Psalms, but one particular one, Psalm 107, talks about, uh, he shares four different stories of people who 
are in different places of need. So one of them is in a desert place wasting away. Uh, the other one is in an open sea and fighting for their life. One is in a dark prison of gloom. And the other one is suffering because of their own rebellion. And in each of these four stories, it says that the person cried out to God in their distress, in the midst of their suffering, and God delivered them every time. No matter what place we find ourselves in, no matter what trial or hardship we face, we can always reach out to Jesus through prayer. We can always find comfort in his presence. We can always find deliverance in him, but we have to reach out. Right? In order to continue growing in our faith, we need to pray. We need to rely on Jesus in these uh, practical ways and to come to him in prayer. Right? The life we are living is for Jesus, and he has called us to daily pick up our cross and follow him. And I don't know a single person strong enough to carry that cross on their own. We need to rely on him. We need to reach out to him in prayer. We are not strong enough to do this on our own. And if we're following Jesus, if we want to grow and mature in our faith, we need to ask him for the help that we need. Right? Coming to him for our daily bread. Asking for the strength that we need just for this day. To put ourselves in a place of reliance and in that place we grow. In that place we grow when we rely on God by making it a habit of knowing God's word, of meeting together with other believers, of spending time in prayer, getting to know who he is. These are the habits that we can pour into to build our faith, to grow in maturity in understanding our relationship with God into understanding who he is transforming us to be. And I want to point out a couple things that help us in turning these practices into habits. Uh, one of the things I want to point out is that when we make a practice a habit, it means doing it even in the moments where it doesn't seem like it's making a difference. It means continuing to do it even when it seems pointless. Um, this, this last, or last year, sorry, Joelle and I, we planted raspberries in our little garden in our backyard. We've got a short little garden section. And um, it's been really fun this year to see them actually grow back. I was a little worried they'd die over winter. Uh, but the, the new shoots started sprouting out of the ground. And I've actually had a lot of fun running to the backyard every day just looking at the little shoots. And every day, I can see that they're growing. It's really cool. That's how plants work, obviously. But it's, it's cool to see that it's actually growing, that you can see every single day there's a difference made. But the problem is that those new shoots that come out of the ground, they're not actually going to produce fruit until next year or maybe even the year after that. Right? If you know anything about raspberries, they usually don't produce fruit the first year that they grow. It's the next year or even the year after that. And our growth is very similar. Right? At times, we see new growth and we see transformation. We see what God is doing in our lives and we become excited. We're filled with joy and it's easy to follow him and pursue him. And there are many times in our growth where we don't really see anything happening where it feels like we're putting the nourishment in and we're not getting anything in return, where we go to spend time reading the word and it doesn't make sense, where we meet with believers and we're not encouraged, we're discouraged, right? Where we spend time in prayer and it doesn't seem like we're getting answers. It doesn't seem like God is speaking to us or that he's there. But those are the moments that define our growth. Those are the moments that actually tell whether or not we are going to be willing to press into these habits or to fall back on them as practices instead, allowing mold and other things to grow in our life. 
right? If I fail to take care of the new raspberry shoots, if I fail to tend them, to fertilize them, to water them, they won't ever produce fruit. You have to be faithful to pour into it. And can you trust that even when these habits, when you're pouring into them, when it doesn't seem like they're making a difference, can you trust that God is still using them to mature and grow your faith? Now, all of that said, so far, this is a lot of work, right? Building habits isn't an easy thing, right? It takes repetition. It takes effort constantly. It takes persevering through the moments where we find it difficult. And I haven't talked about the best part yet. We've been talking about growth, but I want to talk about what happens when we continue to grow. When we mature, the more we grow, the more we are blessed, I realize that's a little bit health and wealth, but let me explain that. The Old Testament puts it like this. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Meditate on the word day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 says this, Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. And last forever. The efforts that we go through to build our spiritual habits in our life have both eternal and physical rewards for us. Right? Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, that no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this life, in this present age, and in the age to come eternal life. We are given a hundredfold more than what it cost us. That doesn't mean it doesn't cost us, though, right? That we'll live an easy life. It means that no matter what trial we face, that it will be worth our while. Do you see how incredible of a return that is for our investment, for our time, and for our energy? Right? That is an incredible return, a hundredfold, right? Think about if I were to bring a box in here, uh, of, of scratch and win tickets, let's say, and they were all guaranteed a $1,000 prize winner, every single ticket, but you had to pay $10 in order to get that ticket. Would you buy a ticket? Of course you would. It would be unwise, it would be unwise financial decision not to, right? But it still costs us that $10. We have a promise from Jesus, the creator of the universe, that if we give up something for his sake, our sacrifice will be transformed into a good that will far exceed the cost. To know that if you forsake mother or father, that in this life, through the church family, you will be given dozens of mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. Right? That our time spent building these habits, when you're alone in the quiet place praying, when you meet here together with other believers, when you read God's word, that the time that you pour into that cannot compare with what it's going to, uh, what, it, what it's reward that God can bring us through that. The cost doesn't even compare to the blessing. And the good news about growth, about building these habits, about taking the next step in your faith, is that you can do it no matter where you are. Right? If you're already making these practices habits, if you've already strengthened your faith and are continuing to grow in this, keep going. Right? Press on towards the goal for which Christ has called you heavenward. And 
if you've walked away from the growth, if you have coasted backwards all the way back down the hill, that's okay too. You can start from there, right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with just one step, and to build a habit means taking the next one. So I want to close with this promise that we have in Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that truly you have come to set us free of every burden, that you have come to set us free from every prison, from every place of captivity that we find ourselves. And Father, we thank you that in the freedom, we have the ability to follow you. Father, you've given us the choice to pursue you. And Father, I thank you that really it's all in our hands whether or not we follow you. So Father, I ask that you would strengthen each one of us here to pursue you this week. Father, through your spirit, put on our minds the ways we can develop these habits. But Father, help us not to lose sight of what what the worth is, Father, what the reward is, to know that we will spend eternity in your presence and to know that no pain that we face here on this earth can compare with the beauty and the joy and the glory that we will one day experience with you. So, Father, we thank you for your great blessings. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us that we might know you more, Father, that we can actually grow in faith. Father, we need your help. So we ask for your blessing in all these ways. In your name, Jesus.